0: Welcome everybody to the BMP Weekly episode 186. It is 7th of November, 2022. In the BMP Weekly, we always talk about the latest on Microsoft 365 areas, and typically we have a visitor. And today, uh, or in this episode, it is D.C. Padur. Uh, D.C. is a principal product manager in the OneDrive, SharePoint, uh, experiences team, uh, responsible of the pages and pages, APIs, and many other things. And we talk about his uh, career and the different roles and his tips on working as an engineer or a developer and a PM and so on, and and the uh, flexibility, you know, what Microsoft nowadays actually gives for their employees as well. Now, my name is Asai and I'm, I'm a product manager uh, from the Microsoft 365 platform areas, and with me as a co-host is waldeck MasterCards. Waldek is a senior cloud advocate on the Microsoft Traces platform areas. Today, however, Waldek is unfortunately sick. Now, without the further ado, let's actually move into the interview uh, with DC and we'll do the weekly articles uh, right after that. So let's jump in there. Excellent, so let's get started on uh, today. As, as I said, actually on the intro, Waldeck MasterCard is unfortunately uh, sick. He has the flu right now, so he couldn't actually make this interview. But uh, DC, Padur, thank you for joining us on the, on the BMP Weekly. Um, let's start by asking quickly, who are you and what do you do for a living? Let's start from there, easy ones.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's usually, that's the hard one when you have to define True. who you are. Sure. Like, yeah. There is, uh, you know, as I like to call it, there is metadata about me that I share, but who <laughs> I am, I, is a journey that I'm on, and hopefully I'll yeah. find it out. Thank you very much for having me on this uh, on this episode. Uh, yeah. Great to be here. Hello, all. My name is Divya Chapin Padur. My first name is really long. Uh, That but I go by the name DC. That's just short for uh, like Washington DC. It's the it's my short nickname. Everybody calls me that and I'm okay with that. So I've been. uh, uh, I'm currently a product manager in Microsoft, so we'll just go do this reverse chronologically. And uh, before being a product manager, I was also a developer in Microsoft. I actually started as a dev in the Microsoft Bing advertising platform, but. 10, 12 years ago, and before that, I was a graduate student at the University of Cincinnati. Um, I, I love school. I love being in school, just going to, car, you know, taking classes and learning was just was a lot of fun for me. I did a master's. I, I almost got to the end of a PhD, but I did not finish it, but I did enroll and do all the coursework and research work for the PhD. This that was a fun experience as well. So I spent about 10 years in grad school uh and before that i was in india for about 20 years you know schooling and undergraduate education bachelor's education so i come from a very you know uh, lower middle caste traditional family uh it's nobody in my family had been to the us so it was a fun thing for me to come to the us and and, you know become a person i I would say my formative years have been in the US, (laughs) so it's fun so i i You know, met my wife in the U.S. We're married. We have two little kids, and uh, yeah, life is life is great. And uh, you know, every every day and every month is a challenge of new kind, and we're looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, what what does you you said that you're a product manager, um, and to be precise, you're a principal product manager, which is which is even more fancier. um, But what what does that entitle? So, what do you actually do uh, as a product manager right now? What are the things what you own or do?
1: See the the metaphysical answer to what does a product manager do is always the the why. We we always get to talk about the what and the why. What needs to be built and why do we need to build it? And the rest of the team help us go put a structure around the vision and then go the how and the when and the Dependencies and all of that, that's what everybody else helps us out with. But what and the why is where our superpower comes from? So as a product manager, I'm a product manager in the SharePoint team. Um, I've actually worked in different aspects of SharePoint over the past 10 years. I, I started out as a, a PM in the infrastructure team, working on internal developer tools and the cloud infrastructure uh, uh, experiences. And then five years of doing that, I wanted to change. I wanted to be on the product side of, the, of SharePoint, interacting with customers and building our experiences. So I'm, that's where I am right now, working on the SharePoint, uh, I want to say we, in, in the portals business and the Pages, the modern Pages application. That's, those are the two areas that I'm a product manager in, specifically working on what enables the platform experiences of uh,
0: the Pages technology. That's actually really cool. Now, now, you said that as a product manager, you focus on why rather than how and what. What does that actually mean? So, is that a Microsoft thing? Uh, (laughs) Well, I'm a product manager as well, so I kind of know this. But for those who are watching or listening, uh, so is that a what? What does that mean? Why why to focus on why?
1: So uh, it's a great question, right? So uh, it's not a Microsoft specific thing. The, the Microsoft, in fact, is aligning with the entire industry, especially the tech industry on the terminology of product management and the title of a product manager and and, and defining the roles. You now, it obviously needs to gradually change from where it, where it is now to what, what the uh, rest of the uh, uh, communication and information technology world does. But essentially, it's, it is, it spans, in fact, even across technology, it spans the what and the why. Given the various problems that can be solved in the world and that, that could be continuously improved upon, especially with technology, it, it becomes rather even more specific about the what and the why uh, in terms of problem solving and identifying which specific problem to go after and how to go. Uh, how to go ide- identify success in those missions, right? So that also becomes an important aspect of problem solving. So I, I kind of like to give an example to you. Uh, it's an, an anecdote from my life experience that sort of captures what PMs do. Uh, the anecdote is where I'm in a in my devs office and we are having a, a meeting, a quick stand-up meeting. Then, uh, well, we're kind of chatting up and he mentions that there is this dev box that keeps making a lot of noise. And uh, I, it sort of bothers us in our conversation. And then he's like, I keep kicking it and it just doesn't do anything. And we take the time and I'm I'm signing near the machine and then I happen to notice that where he's kicking is not where the problem is. And he had to go kick the fan and the specific back of the, the power unit that is for the GPU and especially in a different machine. And I said, hey, you need to pick there. And he does it, and then the problem is gone. Then we had like a moment around it where are like, hey, he's great at kicking, you know he knows what to do. But then the PM was there to actually listen to what the signals and kind of focus on exactly this. Hey, you got to go do exactly that. And that that landed, uh, was a funny moment in our in our future closing. It essentially, yeah. So the the PM role across the tech industry and maybe even beyond that is about, uh, looking at all available signals and being able to identify what the problem should be, I mean, what, what problem to solve and why we should solve it, and how we might measure the success of that uh, of that outcome.
0: Yeah, that's actually a good way of kind of a reminding for those who are watching or listening, and also is that it's, it's not like there's lack of ideas and lack of things and problems to solve. The challenge is really to define which problems you start solving one by one because, it, of course, it's a journey. You, you go towards a certain vision or whatever, and then you start tackling one step at a time those problems or challenges or enablers in the product for doing forward. So, um, and because every single company, even Microsoft has a limited resources on a specific areas, you need to figure out what are the things what you want to solve first. And you said something really Absolutely. important also, measuring the success. Um, so. Can you elaborate on that one a bit? So, what does why does a PM needs to know how to measure success?
1: So, uh, the the efficacy of a solution is a, uh, you know in in the the entire technology in general has been there is a there is a shift in what's happening in the world. So the the, the example the example here being that a lot of people were not tech enabled. And the easiest outcome was just get them tech enabled. As in people were writing with paper, just get them to type on a computer, that's success. Done. The fact that something shipped was enough twenty years ago, maybe twenty-five years ago. The fact that something new shipped or something digital in this domain shipped was enough. Because so like, hey, look, this product is out there was success. But that has shifted. A whole lot of the world is uh, being digital. and A whole lot of the world has been... You know, I've, I've, uh, we'll get to talk about why I'm in India, but the biggest shocker for me being in India is you know, people who have never worked with computers or not familiar with anything. Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody does digital payments. The, the street vendor who sells onions on a cart has digital payments. So there's, at that point, you get to the place where it's not just enough that there is a product it's also important that the product meets the user's needs mm-hmm. and actually solves the problem so the the demand on technology has gotten more specific and more uh more granular so that is why the product manager get has that uh, has to But as you said there are so many different ideas and so many different uh, problems to solve and depending on what sort of uh, uh, organization you are in and what stage of growth you are in. There are different examples. Like you could be an early startup. You could be a mid stage startup. You could be a large behemoth like Microsoft. It depends on those things. So in all of those things, the fundamental still stays on what is the problem to be solved and why must we solve it? Even inside Microsoft, even for SharePoint, right? We a lot of customers have you know, probably modernized their internet. So now we have to think about what's next what is the next big thing to solve and why, and you get ahead of the curve and try to identify that. Yeah. And that's where there's the curve of ideas. And if we don't know which idea to pick and if we have a gut feeling on, uh, you, listen, you listen to early signals for what to solve and then you listen to the product signals and after post-shipping signals or usage and telemetry to, and, and user research to actually find out whether we succeeded. And that informs your next cycle because it's not a one and done, right? You have a six-month cycle to ideate and ship something, but then what comes the six months after is measured by how well your first uh, set of features are doing. There has yeah. to be this iterative way of finding the right spot, finding the right investment, and keeping that growing.
0: Yep. Yeah, and and really specifically on the metrics and, and measuring the successes also, of course, that helps on also picking or fine-tuning the big thing what you're defining so how how the if you're basically looking into getting more clicks or views there's a big big difference on on how do you implement the feature and how do you define the objective so having something viewed or there's a different thing than having something clicked and then there's a there's an actionable or impact on the design um, which is coming from dms isn't it so the design absolutely
1: absolutely so the the as i mentioned right so it depends on where you are in the product journey if you are uh in a startup mode and you have a brilliant idea and all you are looking for is a product market fit right so you you are absolutely looking at i have an idea i think this is a problem worth solving i'm going to go find the niche of people who, who who are going to value the fact that I am solving this problem with technology or any any other any method possible. And that product market fit journey is different. And the what and the why there are a different experience than a, a standardized product like Microsoft SharePoint, where a product manager's task is to go make it more accessible. Yep. Right? Accessibility is not a Mao game. Nobody does accessibility because... You know, uh, two days or two months after you ship, 10,000 people are going to be uh, using your accessibility feature. That's not how the Mao game works, right? because accessibility is a compliance feature. It is how you make sure that uh, you're, you're, you know, the, the, the product that you ship is in truly global and truly available to everybody, and you know,
0: sure. uh, uh,
1: yeah, aligning with our Microsoft principle of empowering every person. The every has a value there and that's what accessibility is about right so the peer do both of them have a pm title both of them are still going to do a prioritization exercise of amongst my accessibility issues which ones am i going to go tackle first but the success criteria is absolutely different yeah one is about fit i want more people to come to the top of my funnel and you know two years after i've had a million users then i'm going to go figure out you know why my retention is not greater than where it should be, and that's a different cycle and a different ball game. But yeah. nevertheless, the questions always start with the what and the why.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's actually really accessibility is a really good example, uh, by the way, because it's not a mouke, as you said. It's it's a, it's a it's a thing where we in Microsoft we need to invest and we are investing, but it's not because we want to have specifically new users, we want to have everybody to have access on the features and capabilities because that's part of the values that we represent. Really good point actually. Now, um, let's go back on time a bit uh, before we go back on where you are right now and all of that, but let's let's do few exercises on your historical things. So you've, you've done a developer, uh, you were a developer first in Microsoft. Mm-hmm. How did you get to Microsoft? How do, is anybody somebody who's looking into, I'm a developer, I want to be in Microsoft. What would be like future tips on getting started on or is it just applying and hoping the best or are there any Um,
1: I don't I don't I don't want to say that traditional route does not work it it, there are examples of that having worked but the I believe the higher rate of success is with networking the reason I'm in Microsoft is because a friend referred me yeah the friend was leaving and she wanted to refer me and she did to her own manager. And because she referred, because of her the referral coming from her, the manager had one call with me. Because yep. I wouldn't have had that call with that manager if I had just cold called or just sent an email to uh, with my resume to them, right? That would have happened. That personal reference is what got me the call, the manager was interested, and then I got into a full loop. Uh, and, and that's, you know, you do well in the conversation. And, I come from a non-computer science background. Um, while I'm familiar with coding, I'm I've never done uh, um, yeah what might be considered as a traditional internship in in, in coding or internship in in the software uh, lifecycle experiences. Right, so I prepared for the interview, but my my out. The way I talked and the way I was unpacking the problem is why I got the developer role as the as, as the you know, entry level developer in Microsoft. So um, I would say, sure, you know, definitely keep applying. You never know which, you know, unless you knock on the door, you never know which door is gonna open. Right. But build your network, spend your time in connecting with people, making genuine connections with them, and make you know, making them see who you are the person who referred me did not know me technically. They yep. knew me personally as a part of a nonprofit that both of us were volunteering in, Yep. right? That's how they knew me. So there's the, 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 the person value is what made them refer me, not my
0: technical capability. Yep, which is quite often the case because it, it's, it's of course, the technical skills are important, but then again, you, you wanna have people in a team who you took well to chemistry works and you, who get, get along and who are maybe um, showcasing other people in the team as well. Their mental mindset <laughs> is a bit of a different. It's not just about the technical skills. Nothing wrong with being also just technical, which is cool as well. But we do need different kind of people in a team to have the right level of diversity within a team, which typically then raises the whole common skill set of the team yep. as well. Yep, absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, everything is, you know, from a growth mindset point of view, everything is learnable, uh, you know, e- even soft skills are learnable, but what comes across is where you begin that journey
0: uh,
1: and the time it takes to learn something soft is to learn something as a hard skill.
0: The yep. Hard skills are much faster
1: learned and retained than soft skills.
0: True. Absolutely, absolutely. Now you you actually mentioned on the networking, just to thrill you there a bit. So, what would be the ways of networking? Of course, you said already the the volunteering on a non profit organization, school probably is a good way of having those connections. Any any other things come to mind? What what does the networking mean? How do you network with, with people? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh,
1: uh, I think this is a saying it's not my saying. I will I will share that, and which is resonates with me, right? You don't network when you need the network. You just network. You make connections. You are you prove that you are a person who cares about others and you are helping. And not with the I, my interaction with the person who referred me to Microsoft was never with the intention that they would one day refer me. It was never in the picture. Right? It just so happened that we met up and we were volunteering <laughs> together. We Stay in touch. And we became friends, and then one day I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for a job." Like, oh, okay, I'll do it for you. Right? Yep. That's it. Right? So, yep. um, for somebody who's on the cusp of looking for a job right now, especially with uh, the situ- the the world economy and the uh, the situation with the tech world as such, I would say, uh, you know, you if you were already employed. See if you can find your uh, erstwhile managers, somebody else who can help you refer. That's one way. If you're fresh out of college and you're trying to get a new job in this terrible—I don't want to use the R word, but te- you know uh, the, the terrible situation right now. You know, go back to your, you know, um, the 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 alumni of your institution that you might have met before when you were when you were when they were seniors in your organization in your in your school. Uh, LinkedIn is absolutely it's a great way and, and show up you know uh, show up to these grad uh, fairs so a lot of people make great personal connections go to recruitment fairs and show your face and have a conversation with them a lot of yeah. people will remember your face and interaction a lot more than the resume on, on the paper that they have so know uh, uh, and make an impression and start building towards that and yeah. once you get a job don't stop right keep keep contributing give back give back as much as you can all the time and yep. then maybe hopefully you don't need it ever but if you do ever need the network you have the network
0: yeah exactly that that's actually a really important thing as well what you said is that don't stop whenever you get the job as well because you, you want to actually keep on having that growth mindset and the, the yeah. natural not in necessarily intentional way of networking but the natural way of networking just being you and connecting with people and helping people uh, where suitable because, again, helping the people, other people will definitely always leave a mark. Uh, people will remember Absolutely. that. And Absolutely. if you are, if you are a technical or you're in the in the community for writing code or all of that, all open source and community channels which we have are a great way of doing that because, again, it gives you the opportunity of showcasing what you've done and what you're capable mm-hmm. of doing. And that's precisely why we raise people or why we ask people to do community demos and all of that in our calls as well. But it's, it's having that opportunity and exposure. Now, from developer, you went to be then a PM. Mm-hmm. And before we go to the current life situation and everything else, how did you get? How, did, how does one get to be a PM? What are the, yeah. the few tips on, okay, uh, development, this is cool, but now I want to do coordination. How did that happen?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's another know funny anecdote in my life, right? in my, at least, career. Um, when I joined Microsoft, I did not know there was a thing called PM. I was of the mindset where you write code and the code solves a problem. That's it, right? Like what else besides code is there? So three months into my job as a new developer, I had a conversation with my manager in the one-on-one and I'm asking him this question, dude, why aren't you telling me what to do? Why is this other guy whose title is Program Manager telling me what to do? And, uh, and that, you know, he sort of explained, I help you with your career, I help you with solving the problems, learning the skills and whatnot, but the Program Managers are who decide what needs to get built and when it gets built and the sequence of building those things. And that sort of lit a bulb in my head and I'm like, whoa, okay. So it's not that straightforward. It's not just I wrote uh, and I was a UX developer at that time and I'm like, I shipped this piece of code and then everything is magically working. No, somebody did the work to figure out that this button needs to show up precisely at this time where all the backend systems have already lined up and this button interacts with that API and that database and that's how everything works, right? That was an aha moment for me three months, uh, four months into my thing was like, uh, you sort of, you you know, I, early on, the excitement of Microsoft, and you were learning new things and you building real software. I never questioned how did this API come to be? Like you you were telling me to call this API. I never asked the question. Nobody I you know, there was a spec, there was thing, oh just got, Hey it been working great. So it was that was that sort of triggered in my mind. I'm like, oh, there is this role, I should go explore that. At that time there was also the SD role, the, the you know the tester role at that time. So I told myself from a career point of view, I want to go see what these other roles mean as well. Why does the test role exist? Why do, what do they do that's different from what I do? I wanted, I told myself i will spend two years as a developer, two years as a PM, two years as a test, and then I evaluate what I want the most, where I had the most fun and continue doing that. Uh, So I was a deaf for two years. It sort of culminated where uh, my entire team was sort of disbanding. My manager was leaving. Everybody in my team was leaving. And I took the chance to just go explore PM roles at that time. And though that was a time when there was no online resource. or maybe I didn't search enough. There were no internal roles. There was no mentoring sessions. Like I, I didn't speak with a PM before uh, intervening for a PM role because i didn't know i could just ping somebody and say can i have a conversation mm-hmm. with you i didn't know that yep. i felt yep. i felt i shouldn't be asking i should already know it there's all these you know syndromes that the,
0: people that's often, do this. Whenever we were younger that's so kind of uh they must be assuming that we already know this and no we don't exactly and no, we don't no know that. either it's okay to <laughs> ask <laughs>
1: exactly and and it was not that it was not that. The, 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 the career conversations and career coaching, at least I didn't see it that much. Like right now yep. in our organization, there is all these you know mentoring conversations happening. If you go into the Twitter world, there are so many PMs who are posting their knowledge. There was no Twitter when I joined. Uh, you know all these all these uh, interesting things were happening at that time, right? Yep. Um, I, at this time, I didn't have that, or I was not uh, I was not privy to those things. So I it myself when uh, I went from a. Front end UX developer for a consumer product. I I, I went to becoming a back end. In uh, you know, a services PM for an enterprise product, yep. completely diagonally different things. So it was a it was a and I was never looking back. So two years after I became a PM, they shut down the test role completely. Yeah. And then obviously, I was not going to play and I was having a lot of fun being a PM. And uh, SharePoint was an awesome place to be a PM. And, and you know, blah, blah, <laughs> 10 years have gone. <laughs> and there I'm go. doing a podcast yeah. about being a PM. I like,
0: yeah, yeah, there we go. go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but coming on the, on the PM, we need to talk about the testing role a bit because I know that's when you said that some people are like, aha, now I know. But um, let's let's talk about that one in a second uh, because mm-hmm. it's good to have an open discussion on that as well. But I would say for, for the PM part, um, I love the, the PM is of, of course in Microsoft. It's super complicated role because every single PM defines the PM role a bit differently, right? Um, mm-hmm. But one of the cool things to think about it that I was just thinking as you were explaining that is it's almost like the 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 web the spider web, but you're the one who's making all of the different connections. So there are a lot of people like developers are quite often being asked just to focus on your thing. You're technical, you're really good at on what you're doing. You don't need to worry about that thing over there. But as a PM, you're the one who needs to understand a bit of that, 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 and then doing the connections between them and then being the kind of the, the clue between the different people and, and shipment. Is that a good way of putting that?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good way of putting one aspect of what you do at some at your in in your stage of life, like in the stage of career as well. Like, right? um, I have come to realize that um, maybe early on, developers can be siloed when you are a Dev One, Dev Two, maybe even up to a Senior Developer, right? When you get to be a Principal Developer, you still need to widen your horizon and go look at what's going on in the world. So you still can't be saying, I'm just going to write code and not do anything else. Yeah. So. Uh, the the complexity of the world that we live in is reflected in how organizations are structured to solve the problems for the world that we live in. Yep. Where it's no longer that simple. Where just a person writes code, just a person tests the code, another person writes a spec, which was three years old when the code when the code is being written because nothing has changed in the world. No, yeah. no. The world is changing really, really fast. Right. So yeah. the complexity and the speed of execution mean that they have, while there are these roles defined as product manager and your TTM maybe in other organizations and in you know developer, designer, everybody's got to be at least a little bit familiar with what the other person is doing. Sure. So the way I'm internalizing my product manager role is you are the person or there is the 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 directly responsible individual for solving this problem or shipping this feature or getting this out you do whatever it takes because of course you're not going to write the code because there are requirements and qualities and everything to be done but short of writing the code yourself you are responsible for everything or short of designing the product yourself you you, you, drive to the, you find the people, you find the funding, you get the work done and you yep. get the connections made. As you said, where you, the, the web of activities, you lay the web, it's your web, you, you got to go do the things, but you, you make sure that everybody else is also aware of all other work that is happening yes. and yes. land the work successfully.
0: Yeah, because then you make sure that there's no hand, whenever you're handing off the, for the following person to take it, it does not drop between the cracks or exactly. whatever, because exactly. you understand enough. That the handover happens. Now uh, you said that we no longer have testers. Uh, I need to mm-hmm. jump on that because otherwise somebody is going to put it in the comments of the video or in the podcast and saying, "Ha ha ha! Microsoft doesn't have testers. What happened? What?
1: How is, no, that, uh, is that?" No, 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 no. So, <laughs> so this is a very good point. It's not that nobody tests code. That's not what I said, right? Yep. So this the. The evolution of an organization and the structures and the titles and the job definitions have to reflect what the world does. This is exactly what I said, right? We are no longer in the waterfall world of somebody writes a spec for nine months and then hands it over to a developer who writes code for six months and then hands it over to a tester who will test it for another six months before somebody prints a DVD and ships it out to the world. That's not the world we are living in. So yep. we have to get to the place where a developer has more responsibility towards the code. The test-driven development or the, the developer being responsible for the, the quality of the work they do. And It puts the forcing function on the infrastructure team to go say, hey, we don't have the infrastructure to have test-driven development, go build that. right? If you do not have that, then the, we start leaning on people instead of efficiency of code. Which is not a great use of resources, right? So, what it's it's not that we remove the testers title and remove the testers themselves. We made everybody got made developers, and they got they, they become developers or they become DMs. They find their passion in how they want to do. They you know they get they are upskill themselves to become what they need to be. But in general, the testing functionality has been absorbed into the developer role. That uh, the monitoring. And the telemetry, all of that gets absorbed into the developer role. And PMs now need to be aware that you need to budget for that as a part of feature rollout. You can't just say code complete for the primary feature and I'm done. Yeah, you gotta have right. telemetry. You gotta have accessibility. You gotta have you know a, a, a reliable monitoring of your feature. You need to make sure that the, every check-in is a you know production level quality in your environment. So those are the the Service experiences, the cloud-born experiences that we, that everybody needs to be ascribing to. And that's why we don't have a dedicated title called Tester. Yep. It doesn't serve the purpose of the world we live in.
0: Yep, makes perfect sense I had to jump on that because otherwise we'll get the comments related on <laughs> but that's a good way of I mean, explaining that chains so. absolutely
1: and there is always going to be bugs so I don't think people need to point out the bug and say this is why Microsoft code and like, all code has bugs I, I I don't know of any company or anything anything shipped ever not just technical products I mean, even the chair yeah. that I'm sitting in right now has a bug in it so that's okay yep. that's just that's just the fact of life but that's the the, the interesting paradigm shift is we understood how the cloud services need to work and how every yeah. role needs to be aware of, be responsible for the quality of the work they do. And that's why this was a forcing function to get that done.
0: Yep, absolutely. At least that's how I see it. That, that's a good way of explaining that. that. That is a really good way of explaining that. Now, let's then jump on the current time and a location and everything. Um. So you, you, you talked about the fact that you actually graduated from U.S., as a master's, you went to the Microsoft in the US and you you worked in the OneDrive SharePoint organization or SharePoint organization in Redmond. But you actually currently are calling from India. So, and you've been actually working remotely from India now for a while, what, what happened? Um, I'm actually, I don't even under know the, all of the details. So this is actually interesting for me as well.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So, so before I do that, it, this is absolute thanks to my organization. Microsoft as a company where it where its number one priority is its own employees. It treats its own employees really, really well. So this hats off to that approach, especially in the current climate. I can't stress enough about why 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 while customers are very important to your organization, even more important are the people that work to solve your customers' problems, to so yep. take care of them really, really well. And I am a prime example of how Microsoft and my team has taken great care of me. And uh, it just started with uh, uh, six months ago. So we, my wife works in academia. She's a professor of computer science in the University of Washington. So she got promoted and she got a year of sabbatical. So there's a concept of sabbatical in academic circles. You know, many of you might be familiar with that, which allows you for a year of uh, time off from your regular teaching duties to fully focus on your research work, go make connections across the world, and that's what spurs, you know, interesting conversations between uh, research institutions. Uh, we were discussing where to go spend that one year, maybe two, three months here, three months there. And then there was a spark of ideas. Hey, why not go back to India? And this is the post pandemic mindset where, you know, suddenly everybody is realizing what's important in life. And so people take time off and they go back to the roots, spend time with family would you know change their passion there is that and we are not exempted to that as well right so we were cooped up for two and a half years worrying about parents who live in a far off land and, and we thought this was a great opportunity one year where we're not there is no necessity there is no forcing function for me to be there but of our own choice supported by the our places of work we are able to go spend that one year in uh, india and be close to our parents, be close to family, expose our kids to the, the life that we had led. My wife and I are both from India and we were from the same place in India. So it helps us to go live that again and show our kids what we went through. So that's and uh, uh, you know, OneDrive and SharePoint the leadership. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to voice up to uh, Adam Harmat, who's uh, Vesa and is manager. He was extremely supportful, uh, supportive of this venture. So uh, thanks to him and, and everybody else up the chain as well. Uh, it was great. So they let basically. I'm I'm an employee of Microsoft India right now for a year, sort of on loan. I work uh, on so it was interesting. Like it was a culmination of good things. So Now I'm working on a couple of projects which are with uh, with China team and the India team. Which means some of my daytime I get to work on. Uh, projects that uh, work with those teams there, and in the night time, I get to have meetings with uh, uh, with my uh, uh, US counterparts and yeah, well, this a thing. They the question: "Is aren't you working all the time?" It does seem like that. I'm on meetings in the night time, I'm on meetings in the daytime. So there yeah. is, but it's a good blend. My org trust me to uh, do the right thing and have impact. So I'm um, I'm grateful for that.
0: Yeah, it's it's. India, from a location perspective, you're then closer to the India development team and then China team, because China, Shanghai, and Shanghai is is it 12 hours from Richmond. So it overlaps mm-hmm. completely in, a, in an completely opposite. Yeah.
1: It's more than 12 hours. Right now, yeah. it's 12 hours Pacific coast in India, and they are 13 and a half or 14 and a half, depending on where you are in China. So it's, yeah, yeah um, it gets easier for me to coordinate with my China team for my projects and the India team for my projects. And more than half of it is the US team and I, I I do that
0: as well. Now, I do this, obviously, I've been doing this for many, many years already. And thank you for the and, and engineering and leadership for allowing this to happen and not forcing to move the Richmond. But how do you deal with the, with the time zone and the time zone differences? And how do you decide which meetings you actually take? Because I can imagine, as a principal BM, you get a lot of meeting requests. Um, where you might want to be or might not want to be. So what is your kind of a trick on handling this in a bit more asynchronous way?
1: Yeah, uh, two things, right? First thing, it's it's a forcing function for me as well in terms of getting better with written communications. While you know a lot of people would say, this meeting could have been an email. Uh, and a lot of times it's, it's this kind of situation forces you to think about, should this actually be a meeting? Or can this be an email? So why yeah. don't I try the emails out first and then decide if I need a meeting? So that forces the written clarification, written communication aspect of it a lot more, and that helps prioritize meetings for me. And not just my PM leadership, my entire network of my developers, individual, everybody is working with me to make sure that they do the meetings in the morning of specific time, which is which puts the meetings at a a reasonable hour during the night time for me. And yeah. uh, so they all of my meetings. So pretty much I do you know nine PM to twelve AM, one AM, just meetings, nothing else. So just back to meetings in the morning. So I mean I, so far I haven't had a trouble trying to find a spot to meet with people even within a one week's notice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes makes sense. I do actually something similar which is I work in a sifted hours in the same way, not as radical as you, because from India it's it's even three hours more shift yeah. but my my days typically end at 10 p.m uh, because 10 p.m my time is noon and a lunch time in Redmond and that's basically the typical limit on yeah I can do that but I don't want to do too much longer of course exceptions can happen so yeah but that yeah. doesn't mean that I start working at 9 a.m either so
1: right <laughs> yeah I mean I have two little kids. So this actually works so perfectly. So I I get to be there for the evenings and the dinner time and then bedtime and I put them to bed and I start my work.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. So, and that's actually one thing, one, one thing, well, you know this now really well, but it's quite common that people are so kind of stuck on nine to five thinking then I, I, all the time I have meetings where people are like, oh my, isn't it super late for you? No, 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 this is, I don't work from nine to five. It's just a completely <laughs> normal, so it's okay. So let's move forward. Okay, so exactly, it's like, <laughs> exactly. Because it exactly. Made me, makes me even feel bad about them kind of a feeling bad about me. So there's this kind exactly. of an interesting dynamics always on the meetings, so. Absolutely, That
1: I totally acknowledge on that. So I, I encourage people to consider this as my business hours. So don't think yep. that, I'm on a vacation and i'm attending a meeting in the vacation it's not it's, this is my business hours i signed yeah. up for this so don't worry yeah
0: exactly <laughs> that is by choice now before we close and thank you for the for the great discussion i have to ask so what's going to happen after the year or 10 months or how, how long does this situation continues um, or do you uh, do you know what's going to happen after
1: no no i mean I'm, I'm absolutely coming back to the united states
0: so yep. uh, because my wife still
1: has a job with the university of washington there she only gets a year off for Semantics. She needs to start teaching in person from uh, September of 2023. So we will definitely be back in the US. Whether I get to be back in Microsoft is it depends on the economic situation. And because technically I got hired in Microsoft India, and then now I have to get rehired in Microsoft the United States. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. my team would make it work. But there's always <laughs> a chance there is this bad downturn or recession or whatever and absolutely frozen headcounts. Yeah. Anything could go anything could happen there. But that's okay. That's a risk I decided to take anyway.
0: Yeah. And and it's yeah, you never know you, that you should not worry about things which you cannot know exactly. at this point exactly. so Absolutely. it's just exactly. yeah which is by the way really hard because people quite often start thinking what about what about the future what about what about but yes it's yes. just yes. easier to basically see watch and see what happens and adapt on that so which exactly. is for sure
1: easy. yeah there's, yeah, there's all a lot of trade-offs. i mean this is the kind of we're we going to do this for you know my my career growth or you know even financially this is you know we're not getting paid in US dollars, so we get paid in India. Said, That's okay. Which is still a great money for living in India, so I'm not going to complain about that. So this year was not about any of those things. This is here about uh, having a different experience with the family. That's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And- what about the kid what's what's the age of the kids just out of curiosity? So is is the schooling getting impacted or how, how does no, that No, so that's
1: yeah, that's another thing as well. So from a kid's point of view, you know, we also got lucky. So one kid is just finishing kindergarten we just finished kindergarten in, in, in the US. So first grade here, she actually got to be in second grade here. And the other kid is in kindergarten. So we just pretty much actually okay. she's Pre-kindergarten, so yeah, yep. no no real impact on their academic thing. They're also initially it was tr- trouble adapting, but they are having fun in India now,
0: so that's good. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can imagine the cultural differences are quite significant still. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, yeah, and as a kid learning, being born in the US and learning that thing and then moving to India, it might be interesting but Yeah, kids kids are good on that, so they they typically adapt as well, so which is good. <laughs> yes. But cool. Thank you, DC. Uh, I'm not going to take more time uh, away from your ha- family time because I know that this is your family time as we're recording this. Um, but thank you, DC, for great discussion. This was good for me to catch up. <laughs> Why did you <laughs> went to the <laughs> India as well? Because I never actually <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> had a yes. detailed discussion on that. But um, it, it actually also shows the flexibility and the, the, the tooling on the tooling what we have, which is absolutely brilliant because again, we can do this. We can work from exactly. home. And and say yes. yes. it almost feels like we are in the same room, pretty much uh, as we are having this discussion, which is awesome. Absolutely, so.
1: yes, yes, yes. And and this is to build the software like this. We can't be using the organizational structures of twenty years ago. You need yes. different thinking and different organizations and different, you know, title it whatever you want, but the skill set have to be more uh, you know, amalgamous than what it used to be, and that's why this yep.
0: works. Absolutely, absolutely, really good. Thank you, DC, for this one, uh, and for those who are watching and listening, uh, or watching and listening, or whatever. Uh, we'll jump on the on the weekly articles uh, right after this. Thank you, DC. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you, DC, for the interview and discussion, uh, and then we'll jump on the weekly articles. So let me share my screen, and we'll start from there. And it is that button this week, uh, and here we go. So. Quite a few articles from Microsoft and few uh, videos and articles then from the community uh, after that and few pointers to talk about uh, this week. Here we go. So first of all, on the Microsoft Teams block, uh we have again the monthly summary related on what's new in the Microsoft Teams. And again, this are really, really, really awesome uh, Awesome, uh, awesome summary blog uh, post, which are telling all of the different cool things which are actually happening and and uh, have been added on the Microsoft Teams and actually on other products as well. SharePoint has a similar one, uh, addressing also Viva updates uh, within the last month. And a lot of lot of cool features and capabilities which have been released within the last month. Uh, so great, great, great. Blog post summary on all of the things what's happening. Now we also had a interesting uh, blog post uh, in the Microsoft Teams blog related on answering six common Microsoft Teams phone questions. Um, So basically, how does the phone and calls work in the Microsoft Teams and how how all of this actually works in practice? So typical set of questions what people might be considering or have well not aware related on the Microsoft Teams uh, phone capabilities. Um, Good point, I'm not actually widely using this pretty much ever, but there are actually good features in here um, and a good capabilities to double check as well. Now, we also had a blog post uh, from Chief Chen uh, on Mix of Teams performance improves with the framework upgrades. And this really comes back on uh, the showing the continuous investments we're doing on the performance side, which might not be actually that visible always. But there, are, There is a lot of, lot of our engineering efforts being done on making the overall experience in Microsoft 365 more optimal and more faster. Then we had a Updates on the SharePoint side, so SharePoint Roadmap pitstop, pitstop October 2020 uh, as well, Uh, and this is not just about uh, SharePoint. So there's a lot of actually updates related on Microsoft Viva, OneDrive, uh, uh, Viva Engage, and so on. So there's a lot of lot of cool capabilities which have been released, and and a great monthly uh, post uh, showcasing all of the goodness what's happening. Uh, simple things like Office app is now coming on Microsoft three sixty five am. We talked about that one in the past as well. That's by the way, the new logo of that application. it is actually pretty cool. Getting aligned with the Viva logos and all of that. But a lot of lot of lot of great capabilities coming across the Microsoft three sixty five features. On the developer side, uh, we did have a blog post related on announcing a new SharePoint Pages API for Microsoft Graph. And this is announcement that it's coming in preview in November. So it's coming pretty soon uh, by end of November, and that one will be in the beta endpoint. And you can do basic scenarios like uh, get the list of all of the pages and news, get the consistent content of the page and a post, create a page, publishing page, and deleting page, and so on. So basic scenarios and capabilities are in the beta release. And it will be a continuous uh, effort on adding new features and capabilities to this API endpoint. If you know and if you tested out the graph endpoint for uh, SharePoint pages in the past, you've probably seen that it's pretty limited um, and it makes it quite hard to understand how that existing API is working. So all of this will change that API. So it's a breaking change on the chains on the beta endpoint uh, by having all of the new capabilities available. We also had a uh, announcement uh, of SharePoint Framework 1.16 release candidates. So, release candidates, this candidate is now out since last week. Um, on the 2nd of November and the GA is happening in mid of November. I think there are estimators right now is 15th of November or something like that. And of course, we're listing all of the different capabilities which are part of the 1.16 and the video and referencing the videos where we showcased some of these capabilities as well. So a lot of of cool stuff, cross Microsoft Viva, Microsoft Teams, SharePoint and so on uh, for SharePoint framework. Now, We also had a blog post uh, from Tomomi Imura related on customizing F5 debugging in Microsoft Teams toolkit for Visual Studio Code. So basically what happens when I press F5 and what are the tasks, what are the things, uh, what's actually got executed and how can I modify uh, the the tasks which are happening as part of that F5 experience. So really, really cool uh, blog post and showcasing the flexibility and the power of the Microsoft Teams toolkit. Really, really cool stuff. Thank you Tomomi on that one. Um, then we also had a breaking change in the Microsoft Graph Insights API. So this is a, a really small change, but it is a breaking change. So basically, um, in the existing V0 1.0 endpoint, there has been an inconsistent experience of getting a site or OneDrive for business. Currently, the, the API for specific API property has been always providing a site. But like documented, like it should be, uh, it is starting to now provide also OneDrive for Business for those sites which are actually coming from OneDrive for Business. Now, uh, Rob Winter had a great blog post related on registering SharePoint framework list form customizers with CSM and PowerShell. So, how would I actually register my custom form customizer uh, for a SharePoint list, which is overriding the native experience? And this is done in the content type level and in the content type in the list. And as you associate properties in, uh, then you can show a custom form. Uh, which is rendered whenever you create an item, edit an item or whatever, whatever you're looking into doing within a list level. There was an interesting blog post also from Prasham Asabardha uh, related on uh, the IE11. So this should be already, everybody should be knowing this already. IE11 is completely deprecated. You should not be using that. It's something which we don't recommend anybody to, anybody to use. We haven't actually recommended it to be used for many, 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 many years even. Um, and starting from January 2023, um, the, the in the SharePoint and OneDrive uh, there's going to be a hard block for IE11, which basically is saying, uh, shown here. Uh, so there's going to be a no, no, nothing's going to work here uh, with IE11. Why? Well, IE11 is, is a really old browser. And it's not using the latest and security standards and the latest features, what the browser technology has available. So we don't want to keep on investing on alternative experience in I 11 as we move forward of improving capabilities within the product. So basically, we need to leave some of the historical package uh, behind. Um, the... Message Center show had a new episode, episode 260, a great, great, great show from Danielle and Daryl, which goes through all of the latest Message Center messages from this admin center. And these are basically the messages which we as a Microsoft release for tenant administrators so that they will know what's coming up and what are the changes which are rolling out. and And by the way, if you are a developer, if you have a developer tenant, you actually get this as well. You just need to go to the message center in the tenant administrator uh, UX, and you can actually have a look on all of the upcoming features and announcements uh, which are coming or rolling out uh, within Microsoft 365. And this show basically just covers always the latest announcements which are happening there. Uh, for example, changes in navigation, Power PowerPoint Live in Teams, Viva Admin experience, and so on. So a lot of, lot of, lot of new features. So now. Paolo Pialorosi had a new PSS Tech Pack episode 229, extending Azure AD objects with Microsoft Craft and schema extensions. He's been showing the schema extensions now for quite a few videos, and these are really great short uh, videos explaining the different uh, capabilities and different options uh, which are available. So really, really awesome series of understanding why and why would you use the schema extensions and what do they actually do? He explains them and then there's always a live demo on making things happen and how does it actually work behind the scenes. So really, really awesome stuff. Thank you, Paul. on that one. Now, Shane Young had a new video related on power apps uh, and automated solutions and environment variables in SharePoint. So how would you take advantage of those environment variables uh, for SharePoint uh, in your Power Apps and Automate solutions. So really, really cool uh, scenario. A bit of a long uh, video, but his videos are super great on learning the basic capabilities within the Power Platform. So thank you, Shane, on that one. Now, Giuliano De Luca had a new video also on how to use actionable messages in Outlook with Power Automate. And that's actually really cool as well. So how can you post those actionable messages in Outlook or react on the actionable messages in the Outlook as well. So what would be the scenarios and stories and capabilities uh, for this kind of uh, automation? So basically what it means is that you can actually have in a bit more polished experience in the Outlook. Let's see if I can actually find the example from here uh, for the experience. So you can actually send a specific email, which actually has a actions on it. So people don't need to click a link to do to perform the action. You can do the action directly in email. So really, really cool stuff. Now, Risa Durrani had a new blog post around error handling in Power Automate flows. So how would you actually do that? How would you get those, catch those errors? Super, super important thing as well, um, because we wanna make sure that if there are unexpected situations and exceptions, you deal with those gracefully. So really, really cool. Thank you, Risa, on that one. And then uh Laura Rogers and Jolene Jobson had a new power hour. And this is a live session, which is then always recorded afterwards. Um, so you can if you are part of the live session, you can actually ask questions live from Jolene and Laura uh, related on showcase showcased capabilities. And this time they talked about the SharePoint page scheduling and private trusts. So what do they mean and how do they actually work? And then the final thing what I wanted to call out is is that you should be always on a weekly basis following up on what's happening in the communitydays.org. And this is the centralized location where you can always find uh, what are the upcoming events and what kind of events are available worldwide. So some of the events are virtual, some of them are in person, and some of them are hybrid. There are a lot of of events queued up across the world. Um, And using this site, you can easily find the relevant and the most interesting events across Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Cloud uh, capabilities. So thank you for that. Really, really cool, cool stuff. And as we can see, there's even stuff scheduled already for June 10th, 2023. So you can see what's coming in the spring also for many, many events across the world. But that's all we're going to do actually now today related on PMP Weekly. Thank you, DC, uh, one more time for joining us, uh, and Waldeck, hopefully you will feel better uh, for next week, uh, so we'll catch you back on the episode 187. But I think uh, that's it for now, so thank you for watching, um, or listening, please use hashtag BMP Weekly uh, in the Twitter, if you are in Twitter and, and post, or if you have new content, which which we, you would like to us to cover within the show as well. And uh, DC, once again, thank you for that one. And we'll see you hopefully, or you'll hear us hopefully on next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. <music>